welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that has been described by some as still on. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you increasingly eager field mouse. How you doing, brother? Brother, we are less than 10 days away from Michigan football and this podcast comes out. I'm ecstatic. I am ecstatic. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about it some more. Man, it is getting it is getting close, tantalizingly so. I stayed up on Saturday, watched a bunch of the games just because they're starting to get some decent games out there in the college football landscape. I wanted to, you know, see where other teams stood and where Michigan might fit into that mix. But like, man, I was just tapping my feet, cracking the beers open with a little extra gusto. It's in the air now, baby. It is. And man, this was the first weekend of college football I watched that I wasn't just incessantly sad, like just underlying feeling of just being upset because Michigan wasn't playing because it's right around the corner. We can taste it. Absolutely. I was the same way. I was like, all right, I'm actually okay with watching nobody play defense in the Red River rivalry. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with watching Clemson just absolutely demolish Miami because it's coming. Two weeks, yeah. baby. One week now. Yeah. Update. Miami, still not back. Texas, still not back. Nope. In case you were wondering where things lie, Clemson, still very good. Time is a flat circle, my friend. Yes, indeed it is. LSU uh, will not be repeating. Alabama has issues on defense, but Clemson is going to be a problem. What do you think about Nick Saban saying, uh, Kiffin stole my signs or something? Say, dude, change him. He left a few years ago. Get over it. That's what I'm screaming. Like, <laughs> I understand that you're still on dial-up over there, Saban, but you should have some assistants that are at least on broadband here. It made no sense. They just, he seemed like a petulant child. Like, all they did, dude, you won the game. Like, just move on. Right? Yeah, who cares? And I'm pretty sure you and Bill Belichick are, like, best friends, and that's just kind of part of the ethos of your level of coaching. Like, you're yeah. going to steal signals if you can. <laughs> exactly. A little gamesmanship from Lane. Like, come on, keep it Lane and simple. Let's move on. <laughs> That was pretty lame, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, what I can. Yeah, yeah, and, and you speed more often than not. <laughs> uh, some, some Michigan updates. Not as many as last week, but there are some updates. Uh, I want you to touch on that first one. You gave me the good news this morning, and that uh, really started my day off more than coffee ever could have. Oh, man. So some good news on the Maize and Brew home front. We have a hype video coming out soon. Don't know specifics yet. The final details still need to be finalized and hammered out. Comes from my guy, Steven. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher your last name. Austin Toski. But my guy put together an incredible hype video. I watched it. I skipped coffee. I didn't need anything else. And I ran through every wall in my house. That's all you have to know about this video. Yeah, that's a problem. I actually went through some load-bearing walls. And now I'm I'm podcasting from the rubble of what was my home, but it's going to get you hyped. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. And to have somebody on the Maze and Brew staff that can uh, put together that quality of a hype video. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I was really impressed by everything, all the cuts, blends. I mean, I don't want to give any of it away. I want people to experience it firsthand. But, oh, man, it was it was what the doctor ordered this close to football season for us. And uh, how lame are we that we're hyping up a hype video? That's how desperate we've been for content. Yeah, salivating over it because you were talking about there's not as many updates this week. Do you love or hate that camp has been so quiet in the submarine this year? I like to hear things, but at the same time, I mean, a lot of it just ends up being coach speak or camp speak. So last year, there wasn't nearly as much coming out either. 
And, you know, there were some pleasant surprises in there. Like, we didn't really know much about Hassan Haskins or Cam McGrone uh, before the season started. So when those guys started to emerge, it was like, what? Who? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm the exact same. I like watching the first game and being like, hold on, who is that? What numbers? Is that Mc- McFlurry? Oh, Jake McCurry, you're back. Okay, you. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm okay with the tight lift approach. We know, you know, a lot of the names to watch. And uh, it's not like he hasn't given us some uh, little blurbs here from the most recent presser. Uh, he was raving about some of the guys uh, on the offensive line, uh, Andrew Vestardis, and then some of the skill guys. Uh, Ronnie Bell and Mikey Sanger still sound like one and two as far as your receivers, but it sounds more and more like Roman Wilson is not just a name. They expect him to contribute. And with uh, sub 4-4 speed, from Roman Wilson, the wide receiver, freshman wide receiver out of Hawaii. That's uh, very exciting. There's a chance that Ronnie Bell is the slowest wide receiver, and that's saying something. Right, because Ronnie <laughs> Bell is by no means slow. So that's going to be a quick wide receiver group. We kind of touched on that a little bit last week, but you already know Giles Jackson is going to play, and then now you're saying Roman Wilson's faster than all these guys and is likely going to contribute as well. That's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, and Nico Collins, uh, we're still on Nico watch. No update yet. He still remains undecided, but is currently not there. So, I, I mean, I guess the actions speak for itself. So the speed in this unit, even without Nico Suave, is incredible. Absolutely. And you're going to miss some of that size with Nico, but that's where Cornelius Johnson hopes to step in. And maybe even AJ Henning is another name that he mentioned as a guy that's doing some things for him. Another freshman who I believe is six one. So not, not exactly short. Uh, Mikey Sanders still and Giles Jackson, a little bit on the more, the, the smaller side, but still with that speed, you'll take that trade off. Exactly. And moreover, Harbaugh also touched on the running back unit, the big four, especially since Christian Turner just got back into camp as he opted back in. But that's Haskins, Zach Charbonnet, Chris Evans and Blake Corm. All four of them he mentioned by name and said they're all four just having an outstanding camp so far. Maybe coach speak, but this is what we've been screaming about for the last six months that these four are all going to be players. Yeah, none of these things are surprising. We both thought the wide receiver room and the running back room would be pretty strong. This was a little bit more surprising. Uh, He came out and said that if he had to say the strength of the team, it would be the defensive line. And we've at times been critical of some of the depth there outside of the edge rushers, which are excellent, obviously, in Hutchinson and Pay. But it sounds like there's some other names emerging, some guys like Donovan Jeter. They're going to provide some much needed depth. And they're excited about this defensive line. So... That's, uh, if you're going to be strong on one side of the ball in one place, the the front seven or at least the front four on defense, that's a good place to be strong. Absolutely. And the key here for this season is without a bye week is health. Can Donovan Jeter stay healthy for the whole season? Can Hutchinson pay and everybody hold up on the outside? So if they're raving about him and the team is healthy, makes me feel outstanding because we're going to need the depth in the interior especially. Right. One of the names, though, that was curiously left off that list was Maisie Smith. So uh, he's not been necessarily repping with the ones or the twos. By the way, it sounded sounds like you've got Jeter there first. Uh, I don't know if that's like a health thing or if maybe he just hasn't taken that step. But that's another guy that you really, really hope takes a step this year, because then all of a sudden you're too deep at both the edge rushers and at defensive tackle. And you feel really good about that whole unit. Yeah, that those coming together just make everything feel good with Hinton and Kemp and Jeter all in there in some kind of order. Kemp's going to start because he's a great team leader and is really quick. Hopefully he's put on a little bit more size so he doesn't get pushed around so much when trying to stop the run. 
But the hitting and Jeter depth there, I love so much. And I mean, it's just it's good to see Donovan Jeter hopefully finally get on the field to make a big impact. Yeah, and we could use an impact at defensive tackle. We all remember what Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins did to us last year running up the middle. We had some issues at defensive tackle. Carlo Kemp returns, so a real big prove-it year for him. But Donovan Jeter, yeah, you've got a chance to step in there, and we could absolutely use everything that he could bring us. So good news on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, other update is we officially have a game time for October 24th. Yeah, we are playing, as many predicted, a night game, 7.30 on ABC. And as many are also projecting, probably going to be college game day. Big Ten's coming back. This is a primetime game of two ranked opponents. It's going to be game day. I would not be surprised. So night game in Minnesota, outdoors, right before Halloween to start it out. Whatever. Give it to me. Bring it to me. You just said so many good things in one sentence. I can't wait. Like, (laughs) it's so close. And... Even more good news, once again, Michigan-Ohio State will be at noon on Fox, and that means we get two of our favorite Americans, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, on the call. Give it to me. I uh, introduced college football to one of my roommates who doesn't really watch it, and Gus Johnson was on the call, and I was like, just appreciate everything that Gus Johnson says. And we were just like cracking up at how enthusiastic and amazing he is. There's nobody else I'd rather watch uh, or listen to while Ohio State drubs us by 40. (laughs) It feels like. But yeah, he was made for the Red River rivalry this year, just losing his mind. And I'll never forget that against Michigan State last year, we broke Gus Johnson because it was like, oh, there it is. Touchdown, Cornelius Johnson. I'm like, we did it. We finally broke him. (laughs) There's no enthusiasm left. (laughs) Normally he's like, it's a drop the middle for two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's blocked. It's blocked. I'm talking about the guard. You know, what a block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the enthusiasm that man shows. Oh, man. Him and Harbaugh would get along well. Oh, that's a conversation I'd love to watch. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, that's good, man. It is going to be cold, cold in Minnesota, 730 in late October. Uh, not like we're coming from Miami or anything. Uh, former Michigan cornerback Benjamin St. Just pointed some or uh, he posted something, excuse me, on Twitter about welcoming the Wolverines into the cold of TCF Bank Stadium. And, you know, he had a lot of his fans getting hyped up about it. But like, sir, it's we're not Miami. You know, we're not coming from Barbados. Yeah. Welcome us to Minnesota and your six fans. I'm terrified. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's six fans, but they're all like actual Vikings. Have you ever been to Minnesota? They're frightening people. I went there one time and, you know, nothing to write home about. But also, the whole Benjamin St. Just situation was so weird how he departed from the team. Like, he like was medically like unable to like play football, but he wasn't, but he was, and now he plays at Minnesota. Right, and we could really use him this year, honestly. So he'd probably be starting for Michigan opposite Vincent Gray had he had stuck around. So, yeah, whatever. I- I wish Nico Collins was still here because I watched Benjamin St. Just get bodied in a spring game one time by fade route. So, man, I really miss Nico this week. Nico Collins would roll that man up into a croissant and consume him with breakfast tea. Yes, and, and Nico Collins does have breakfast tea. This man stays away from the caffeine. Yes, absolutely. Have you looked at him? He's a monster. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, man. So uh, last week uh, we were breaking down some of the matchups that we think are going to be really important going through the season. Uh, Some of them, you know, one on one matchups, others more positional units. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We've got part two of that going through the second half of the season. So we will talk about that and more right after this. 
All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this pod, we are finishing up our series on the matchups that will define the 2020 season. Last week, we went through the first half of the season, made it all the way up through week four in Wisconsin. Week five this season will be, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be Rutgers. Uh, so are there any matchups to watch against a team where our average margin of victory is, what'd you say it was, 51 to 7? 51 to 7 over the last five years. So they beat us in 2014, and over the last five years since, an average of 51 to 7. That is that is not pretty. So uh, Greg Schiano comes back, the only person to ever have any success at Rutgers, but he comes back taking over a program that has got serious, serious issues in a conference that no longer looks the same as when he was, uh, you know, performing reasonably well yeah. back in the early 2000s. This ain't the Big East, homie. Um, Yet yeah, the bones of Bear Bryant could show up in Piscataway, and it's not going to change the outcome of this game. <laughs> no, no. What did we say off air that you could put uh, the whole Dallas Cowboys offensive line and Troy Aikman from the 90s on there, and they still might not win? No, they're still not going to win because <clears throat> like, they right. still have that defense, and they don't know what they're doing. Right, and apparently their entire defense is made up of Michigan castaways. Yeah, what is it? Uh, Drew Singleton, Dwum Four, Ron Johnson was there for a cup of coffee last year. It's like, okay, just take everybody. Yep. And then uh, was it Aaron Lewis briefly? Uh, yep. Wolverine Brie- as well. Briefly a freshman, he transferred out and maybe eligible to play right away as a true freshman if he can crack the roster. I mean, I imagine it's you know not super competitive. No. No, no, no. You or I should be able to start there, but uh, but Michael Dwum Four actually is probably going to be their best player. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Dwumfor was a competitor at Michigan, played a lot, just couldn't stay healthy. That was his biggest issue. So we'll say for the matchups, it's either Michigan team versus the coronavirus, or maybe a bus accident, or we'll say Dwumfor versus Vestardis. There we go. We we you know either one of those. I think you know your good coin flip either way. <laughs> um, or it's maybe uh, Rutgers versus a touchdown if they can score this year because last year was fifty-two to nothing. Yes, I think they will score this year. Ooh. Bold prediction, I, sir. I think that Greg Shiano will get them onto the scoreboard, but uh, we're going to win by 40-plus. I think they score, but not a touchdown. I like it. Let's keep it that way. Week 6, Penn State. A little bit of a revenge game here for the one that we dropped last year in Happy Valley. Uh, literally dropped it with Ronnie Bell dropping what would have been the tying touchdown. Oh, that hurt. Uh, that hurt. It, it, it did hurt. It did hurt. But we have been trading back and forth with Penn State. Last year was their year. It was a great opportunity to steal one. But if everything holds serve, this should be our year to take it. It should be our year to take it. This team brings back some experience, but they don't have the dynamic playmaker they've had in the past. There's no... Saquon Barkley, there's no... Uh, who was the speedy receiver last year? Oh, KJ yeah, Hamler. Hamler. Yep. Yeah. Sean Clifford comes back. They returned four or five starting offensive linemen. They're experienced, but they weren't overwhelming from what I remember. They weren't, you know, just batting, de- pushing down everybody or wearing down Michigan. Journey Brown, the uh, above average running back, comes back. It's not going to, you know, set the world on fire, but he's fine. It's a It's a competent program, but it's not one that jumps off the page at you. No, not really. You mentioned some of the skill position guys on the offensive line. Um, he, the, they're bringing back five guys, all with starting experience. So yep. the offensive line should be strong again. Uh, nobody really at wide receiver to speak of. Uh, Jahan Dotson's the only name that you recognize coming back. He had 40 catches for 691 yards in his first two seasons, though. So not exactly huge numbers from their leading receiver. So 
it's not it's just not as scary as some of the Penn State teams in, of years past. And I would say that the strength of their team is probably on defense, even with Micah Parsons opting out. I think so as well, because they even with the loss of your Tur Gross Matos, they still have Shaka Tony, which might be the best name in all of football. And there. help me here, PJ Mustafer. Mustafer. Yeah, PJ Mustafer as well, who's pretty strong at the defensive tackle position. Uh, so yeah, their their front seven should be decent. Yeah, they have talent there. So running the ball here could be a challenge. And obviously containing Shaka Tony and protecting Joe Milton's a key here. But I feel like this game is really going to be could be controlled by both defenses. The offenses both have questions. They should know who they are by week six. But with so many question marks on each side, experience on one, Michigan probably has the more talented unit but really lacks the experience. It goes back and forth. But I thought the team, Penn State team last year was more talented. And I'm kind of confused at why they're preseason ranked so high this year. Right. I don't get it either. I get that it's, you know, Penn State and you expect them to be well coached and they've been recruiting pretty well, but they're turning over a lot other than, you know, offensive line. Their quarterback comes back, but is Sean Clifford really going to frighten anyone? I mean, you would expect by week six that Joe Milton settled in a little bit and the ceilings of Joe Milton and Sean Clifford shouldn't even be talked about in the same podcast because they're just not on the same level. And, uh, you know, their defense is good. But once again, no Micah Parsons, who is like a top five projected draft pick. So now you're you're going down the list to Shaka Tony. And are you going to say that Shaka Tony's better than Aiden Hutchinson or Quiddy Pay? Because I'm not ready to say that. I'm not either. And it feels like on both teams, the secondaries have a lot of question marks as well. So it could be Clifford's experience airing the ball out against Joe Milton's talent. Could be. They do have two guys in their secondary. I think it's safety, Tariq Castro-Fields, and Lamont Wade is corner. I could that have that backwards. But both of those guys are going to be all Big Ten candidates, and they'll be pretty strong. So their back end, a little bit more solid than our – well, it's about the same. About the one same, yeah. Name, yeah, one trusted name in both the you know the second, or the safeties and in the corners. So it, it's almost a wash there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't quite get them being ranked as high as they are. I agree with you. So what matchup here are you going to watch that really thinks they're going to define this game? You could always go with the offensive line versus defensive line, and that's going to be big. If Joe Milton has time to operate and these receivers have time to work and get open, I think that's going to be huge. Um, opening up holes for our better running back crew, I think you could say that pretty pretty easily, that we have the better overall running back depth chart. So uh, I would say it's either our offensive line versus Shaka Tony and P.J. Mustafer and them, or uh, Ronnie Bell and Giles Jackson and Sainer Stone, those guys getting open against their decent, but you know, secondary with some questions. Uh, which, how do you see it? I'm similar. Uh, this is a very youth versus experience game, you know, or talent versus experience. But both teams do have the talent, and it's it's interesting all the matchups you discussed and talked about the secondaries, how they feel similar, but one proven name like Michigan has Brad Hawkins, Vincent Gray, but even you had Dax Hill in the mix, who you know has experience now. So I'm really anxious to see how Michigan rebounds from last year and uses that game as motivation because that game in Happy Valley was hostile. Michigan had heavy right to just tuck their tails and lose and came back. When Harbaugh said this was going to be our finest hour, although Michigan fell short, it still felt that way, and this team really built off that momentum. So for me, it's going to be the revenge factor, but I also like your matchup of Ronnie Bell, Giles Jackson, Mikey Sainer still against Castro and Wade, or Castro Fields and Wade. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does kind of look like Fidel Castro, the way it's written into the pod. And I'm like, well, that's that's something for a different podcast altogether. <laughs> yeah, we'll go deep into his regime some other time, right after our presidential <laughs> fighting debate. <laughs> Chester A. Arthur versus Fidel Castro. Who you got? <laughs> Arthur walking away. <laughs> walking away. Walking away. Yeah, so that Penn State one, I mean, this is, this is going to be a defining game here. Because if you, uh, I mean, say you drop the Minnesota one, which is one that we're all watching, you know, week one. Uh, but you get through this one. I mean, this open really opens things up. It's going to be the difference between a one or a two loss season, or you know, potentially get into that three or even four loss, which would really be a disappointment. So this is a huge game, week six against Penn State. So can't wait for that one. Week seven, Maryland. This is just a trap game. This is Michigan versus the idea of a trap game because it is sandwiched between Penn State and Ohio State, which might be the two hardest games in the entire year. Mike Loxley is still trying to build a bear team over there, just piecing them together and doing what he can. I'll never forgive ourselves for last year being like, man, Loxley's hanging 60 points these first two weeks. I mean, look at this offense. And then we're like, oh, okay, that's what happens when you play Division Two, Right, yeah, he played like Syracuse and Ball State, and we were like, this guy's the real deal. But, yeah, time caught up with that, did it not? <laughs> Mike Lockton still got a way to go. He does, and as you remember last year, uh, the game was really the game tone was really set from Giles Jackson off the jump, just returning the opening kickoff as a seventeen year old, as I like to bring up. Yes. and Michigan just took over, handled them thirty eight to seven. Offensive line is still a work in progress at Maryland. They're still kind of piecemealing it together. Haven't named a starting quarterback yet, and the defense is hungry. Is a quote that's going to set them apart this year. I hope they're hungrier because last year they allowed 35 points a game and 450 yards a game. Yeah, you're going to need to maybe build some hunger after that output. Yeah, there's just not one matchup that you can pick here for Maryland that you can be like, oh, yeah, that's going to define the game. Because as far as just talent on paper, Michigan blows the doors off of Maryland and they're going to need to play nearly a perfect game. Um, They do have some talent at the quarterback position. They've been recruiting that very well. Um, They've got some speed at the quarterback position, some guys that can run. So maybe if their offense was able to get us, you know, just kind of off off schedule a little bit, that would be a way that they could challenge us. But our defense is is probably going to have our way with the Maryland offense. You would have to think, especially with their indecision at quarterback, the offensive line coming together, it should be solidified by week seven. And Maryland in previous regimes has been frisky in games like this. They should have beaten Ohio State a few years ago had a terrible throw on a two-point conversion. So maybe they do it this year. I just don't see it happening, especially in Ann Arbor. No, it is in Ann Arbor, and this late in the season, you'd have to hope that Joe Milton has built a rapport with his wide receivers, and you know we're going to have the running backs that hopefully have their legs underneath them by then. So if nothing else, we should be able to just run the game out here with our stable of running backs. So not too worried about Week 7 at Maryland, but – We'll see. I mean, maybe uh, after a few couple weeks, they're cooking again, and maybe this time it's for real, though. I, I think they're a few years away still. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And the way this back half of the schedule balances out is really nice with kind of a cupcake, hard game, cupcake, and that leads us into our last game. Yeah, week eight. Still uh, maintaining the last game of the year. Needs to be Ohio State, uh, you know, for better or worse, for our blood pressure. That's the way it's going to be. So week eight versus Ohio State, there's, man, any number of matchups that you could pick. They bring back a lot of guys, but they also lose a lot of guys to the NFL draft last year. Just this this list of names that they lost last year. 
hold if you please. J.K. Dobbins, K.J. Hill, Benjamin Victor, Jonah Jackson, Chase Young, Devon Hamilton, Jashan Cornell, Malik Harrison, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, and Jordan Fuller. That's not all of them. Those are just like the really high draft picks. That is a ton of talent to replace. And while this is going to be a very good team that brings back Justin Fields, I don't think it'll be one of the all-time Ohio State teams that we've seen the last few years. God, I hope not, because people are still projecting Ohio State to have the first or second best entire roster in the country after replacing all the names you just mentioned. And if that weren't enough, Ryan Day is in the offseason dropping headlines of we're going to put a, drop 100 points on Michigan this year. I mean, you've kicked our ass the last two years and hung 60 and over 50 the last two, so why not say that? And Don Brown's response was just got to get to work. So I respect the man for saying the same thing. I wouldn't have said, but <laughs> you got to get to work in this point because Michigan, I mean, Ohio State has had Michigan's number handedly the last two. I can't remember a two-year stretch that's ever been this lopsided. No, no. And I, from Michigan's perspective, they've got to find a way to actually just show up for this team because even if they did lose a lot of talent, the way they've been recruiting, you're absolutely right. This team is loaded. So, But it's just a lot of younger guys that are stepping up. But because it's week eight, you'd almost rather have them week one and maybe you can catch them off guard. But being week eight, they're going to have time to get their young guys acclimated as well. Justin Fields is a legit Heisman candidate. Probably it's, it's him or Lawrence, I would imagine, unless somebody else you know steps up and has a crazy, crazy season that we didn't see coming. But it, it's tough to pick one matchup on this one. So what are some that you're, you're watching out for? It's going to be more vague, but it's the one that's going to be over. It's going to be it's Don Brown versus Ryan Day. It's Ryan Day's play calling versus Don Brown's adaptability from man, man to man to zone, which he did this year. But then Ryan Day once again had a new checkmate that Indiana had kind of exposed and implemented that into the system. As you may have seen in week one of the college football season, Mississippi State hung a beating on LSU. And that's because LSU stopped playing, would not stop playing man to man. Bo Pelini, their new defensive coordinator, just got kept getting burnt by slants. And I'm like, you know what? That feels familiar. I know you're paying LSU fans. So, but Don Brown adjusted last season, implemented more zone. The defense got faster. And then they bullied us. They put the ball on the ground with Dobbins and just ran it down our throats, and Michigan couldn't stop it. So I'm really interested to see the chess match between those two player, those two coaches specifically. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to come down to that. And Don Brown doesn't really matter what he does the rest of the season. If it's another beatdown where, you know, 40, 50, 60 points are hung up by Ohio State, he's probably packing his bags because he just can't allow that. Can't get out schemed like that in the biggest game of the year every single year. Uh, I was going to say something similar. I was going to say Michigan versus the moment and also go very vague because with all the talent, especially on the Ohio State side of the ball, how do you just pick one? I mean, you could say you know, the, the defensive line versus the offensive line. You could always say that. Can we finally find a way to get some sort of pressure? It feels like it's been five years since we've had any sort of consistent pressure on their quarterbacks, but I think it's more just overall Michigan versus the moment, getting over that hump, showing up to play with the mentality that you can, and you will win that game. You need to go in with the belief that you can win that game because after last year, there's no reason it should have gotten as out of hand as it did last year, but that's the way it went. So we need guys that are ready to play. We need gamers that are locked in that don't look at this game as a foregone conclusion. Absolutely. You have to be able to step up and not revere them as the, like, the Ohio state and look to the history. Just focus on the game at hand. What's in front of you, how to handle this situation and continue to move forward with it. Because last season, Michigan came out. Well, you and I were hype 
watching the Michigan come down there, score the ball with Giles, and then all of a sudden Shea Patterson fumbles the ball, and it goes to Ohio State at their own two. J.K. Dobbins fumbles it, and it bounces back to him like a damn basketball. Yeah, I remember still. I tried to rewatch that game, and I got to that point, and I turned it off again. I was like, oh, yes, this is where we learned God does not exist. <laughs> That's about how it felt. That's when I ordered a gin martini and waffles because I needed both. That's where I went and took a cigarette outside. Yeah, it was not good. But, no, man, this is this is a big-time game for Don Brown. Don Brown has never allowed opponents to have I believe it's four I think it's 500 500 total yards of offense in back-to-back games against any team in his career except Ohio State the only team to ever do that to him so it's the only like really black mark on his resume always steps up always gets the revenge rises to the moment but Ohio State remains his white buffalo he just can't get it so I hope it's the year, man. I really do. But this Ohio State team is loaded with talent, and there's a chance that while they're inexperienced by week eight, they're going to be humming. Oh, there's a very good chance of it. I mean, you know, we already mentioned Justin Fields at running back, Master Teague, which is a glorious name for a yeah. running back. Uh, Chris Olave comes back to Mario McCall at wide receiver. Uh, they've got Wyatt Davis on the offensive line, could be a first rounder. Josh Myers is going to play in the NFL on defense, defensive line. Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, both NFL guys. So once again, it's just a team loaded with NFL talent all up and down. Uh, I mean, we just got to be ready for them. And you're right. I think it is going to be a scheme, a question of scheme, and then a question of, you know, your mentality. Do you have the mental, the mental makeup to come in and forget about last year? This is where a player like Joe Milton can really swing things. New blood into the program. Other players are gone. Tariq Blacks are gone. Donovan Peoples-Jones are gone. Patterson's gone. Like, really coming in there and setting the tone for this team. Like, it's going to be different now that I'm leading this team. I'm taking over. Things are going to be different. It's in my hands. So, maybe I'm being an idealist and an optimist, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's the preseason. I mean, if we're being optimistic now, just wait till late November. We're oh my you and fire as oh always. my god if this team enters like seven and one or six and one with like an early loss to Minnesota we're we're to be just screen podcast every day leading up to it all right we got nothing on the docket but listen to this 10 reasons they hate Ohio State number one Ohio what about it <laughs> I'm gonna give you the 10 ways I'd like to massage Joe Milton's shoulders here we go number <laughs> one top to bottom <laughs> Left or right, it's not creepy. And we're just trying to get the arm loose. <laughs> not creepy. Number four. <laughs> yeah. Next one. Don't listen to Brian McKnight while we do this. Change. <laughs> yeah, man, you're absolutely right. I mean, it'd be easy for me to get hyped. And I like what you said about Joe Milton, though. Uh, Shea Patterson did not have a great game against Ohio State last year, nor the year before. He really, I don't want to say he failed the the test of showing up in the moment. But, I mean, when you've got direct snaps coming to you and you can't even handle a perfectly snapped ball when you were the one that, you know, called for the ball. It, it doesn't show like the mental makeup that we're hoping for, but gamers, we like to say if we, if Joe Milton's a gamer, it could swing everything. It could very much swing it. And if Ohio state wins this game, it will set the longest win streak in the rivalry for either team. Gross. I hate everything. So uh, yeah, yeah, that will be the hardest game of the year and I don't like it here right now. So. No, I don't like it either. I'm going to watch that one from like a tent in my room with the lights off. Yeah, this is one where like I need to be in a quiet place by my I don't need a lot of people around. I need it's a week after my birthday. I just want to be relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. No one talk to me unless we win. Yeah, exactly. Let's we'll, we'll we'll come back. All right, we'll come back. It's like you'll be calling me at halftime again like what's going on? Do I need to buy cigarettes? 
Yeah. <laughs> not this year. I refuse. I'm not, <laughs> not smoking again because of the Michigan Ohio State game. It's got to stop. <laughs> stop picking up bad habits because of college athletics. That's what I'm screaming. After we lost the Rutgers that one year, it was black tar heroin. That was a, a dark, dark few years. And since then, 51 to 7, baby. Exactly. And since then, I've been nothing but clean except for those cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the season is upon us, my friend. Indeed, sir. That's going to do it for us tonight, unless you got any last thoughts on that Ohio State matchup. Next week when we speak, we'll be talking about Minnesota and your real game. This is the last week of camp, and this is the last preseason pod because next week it gets real. Oh, my God. There were times I thought it wouldn't happen at all, and now it is nearly here. This is exciting, sir. I can't wait for next week's pod. Can't get here soon enough, brother. Indeed. That's going to do it for us here on Out to the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Brew. I am Jared, that is Andy, this is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.